Australia's number one mumcast is NHM I Got It From My Mama with Beck and Sarge for the little unicorn. Explore, play, discover, grow. G'day. So you've decided to dump your boss and start up your own business. How exciting, Mama. There are some things that you need to look out for in terms of commercial leasing, if you're going to be in a partnership, trademarking, your business name, branding. And we have got advice for you today on the show from a friend of mine, Dean, from Baker Love Lawyers. It is going to be absolute gold for anyone in a business or about to start one. Please go to your podcast app and review us online. We'd really appreciate it. Here's a review. Love NHM five stars. I really enjoy this podcast. I find the girls relatable and the topics are interesting and relevant to me. That's what we strive for. Dean, coming up next, plus at the end, you can win a $1,000 trademark package from Baker Love Lawyers. Gosh, don't we sound grown up. NHM, I got it from my mama, would love your support. To help out, review us in your podcast app. Win incredible mama and family experiences at nhmnewcastlehuntermamas.com. We're super proud to be sponsored by the Little Unicorn Early Education Centres at Honeysuckle, Broadmeadow and Charlestown Square. They're locally owned and child focused and all of their educators are highly trained and love children. My kids go to the Little Unicorn Charlestown and I'm so happy with their development. Not only that, but all of the food is cooked uh, on site. Their menu varies from season to season and you don't even have to provide nappies the little unicorn does it all discover more the little unicorn.com.au explore play discover grow nhm i got it from my mama with beck and sarge nhm i got it from my mama with <laughs> beck and sarge <laughs> we're laughing about my some of my business failures yeah because when i started my businesses i um i wasn't really very organized in fact uh a great story was that um, I got done oh, for trademark. Yeah, I did a um, show called The Silly Billies in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and there are, in fact, a Silly Billies child troupe who charged me thousands of dollars to really? use their name across several comedy festivals. Yeah. So I was a young, struggling artist. I had to pay them all this money and so I didn't really make any... So yeah. you come up with a cool brand and... Um, the name's going to be Mel's Polka Dot Dress. Yeah. And what, how do you do? Do you just Google it and see whether or not there's another Mel's Polka Dot Dress or do you need to do something more official than that? Yeah, it's a good <laughs> question, Beck. So you can actually do a search on the IP Australia website to see if someone else has trademarked that brand or logo. It's free search, um, publicly available website. So that, that's a really good tip for someone starting out in business. If you're developing your brand and logo, you should definitely do that search before you go ahead and lock it down. There's a lot of um, people that say different things about branding and logo. You know, you've got some people who say, hey, you've heard of that great Fiverr website? And then you think, oh, no. I don't want to be that cheap. Um, will Canva do? When you're developing your brand, um, Dean, what would you say would be the best way to do it? Do you just register a business name? Do you need a little bit more? Do you need to trademark it from the start? Spend that money? Well, you should certainly register your business name. Yep. That, that's a good step. But the registration of business name doesn't give you the same protection of a trademark. So, so what's the difference? Well, the difference is that one's an actual 
registration that's legally enforceable against all other owners okay. or, or operators. A registered business name doesn't give you the same protection of a, as a trademark. So some people can actually trademark a business name that's already registered or something mm-hmm. that's similar to it. And then um, if they do do that, then uh, they can cease you from uh, from using it. Yeah, right. because if you go on the ABN registry, I'm pretty sure you can see a lot that are all the same. There's a lot of companies that just have the same name. True. Yeah. It, and it depends on what area you're mm. operating in as yeah. well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit technical, but there's different classes of uh, trademark and, and business. There's goods and services, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's hundreds of classes. So oh, that, wow. that's another key thing is working out what your particular class is. Uh, there's a fee that, that they charge per class, so you want to get that right. Um, you can you can register in more than one class, but obviously you want to make sure you're in the in the correct class when you're registering. So if we're talking about Mel's polka dot dress, is that what you said, Beck? Mm-hmm. Uh, would I be selling goods? Is that what I register for? Sure. So there's a, a, a retail category. So if you were just selling polka dot dresses, then mm-hmm. um, register in that category i guess <laughs> i think you should start this company it sounds really i'm actually wearing a polka dot dress today don't make me start another business i'm not listening <laughs> stop laughing Dean. okay uh tell us uh, about a few other things we should be mindful of when we're starting so okay for mine if i think of it bex just said there's all these people out there with a business name um why do you think people some people don't trademark is it because they don't know that they should or i think that's the main reason i didn't even though i went to law school i found trademark <laughs> law really technical <laughs> and i'd sort of forgotten about it there'd been um, a few drinks as a stand-up comedian in between law school and uh, starting <laughs> a business so i probably forgot a little bit about it but why do you think people don't do it i just think they're not aware that they should um yeah. a lot of people think that if they register their business name or if they just have a, a company in their trading name then that's sufficient protection um i see a lot of people that, that think that um until things go wrong people generally don't turn their mind to it so that's the uh, most common scenarios people just don't think of it but uh, it's really important that you do because it can cost you a lot of uh, time and money if you fail to register and if you're not a lawyer you'd suggest going to baker love or someone of course. It's yeah. very Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is a confusing part of the law. I mean, I studied the law and it is confusing, right? It, it That's what they're there for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, uh, we offer flat fee packages for uh, trademarks. Oh, and cool. I think we're actually giving one away. Yeah, we are at the end of the show. So. Yeah, yeah. So you've come up with your business, you've come up with the name, you've trademarked it all, you haven't tra- trademarked it. What's the second step? Do you get an accountant? Is that sort of where uh, you should be going from there? You should, yeah, absolutely. I think it's vital to have a good accountant in business. Um, I I try and work closely with my clients' accountants so that we're on the same page. Um, Accountants are a a key relationship when you're starting out because they're doing a lot of the registration things by way of ASIC registrations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lawyers don't always do that type of thing, but they certainly do. So just getting the right structure is important. So whether you want to be a company or a sole trader or a trust or, or, you know, there's various options out there. Talking to your accountant at the outset is key because you, you want to make sure that you, you've got it right so you don't have to change it down the track. Mm. So what do most people do? Do they start as a sole trader? or? I would say so. Yeah, yeah. It generally depends on the, the size of the business and your turnover and various factors. Um, there's always tax considerations too with the, the structure that you choose. So um, tax considerations are probably just as important these days mm. as, as any other legal consideration. That's why it's vital to to talk to your accountant about it. 
Um, but yeah, I would say most people start as a sole trader. Um, you can obviously change down the track, but uh, it generally depends on your level of turnover. Um, if you're looking to go into business with someone, then obviously tro- sole traders not going to be um, <laughs> the way to go. Yeah, um, we can we can yeah. talk a little bit. I was going to talk about business partnerships later, but let's do it. So you're thinking of going into business with some someone? It's happened from with me. Uh, something that I noticed that you did say once that was that people would never go into business with th- someone if they knew sometimes how it would turn out. They they always hope for the best and then True. that's not always the case. So right. what do you need to do if Beck and I, Beck comes over for coffee and says, Sarge, I want to make some polka dot dresses. <laughs> and I think, well, she's a great girl. She's my friend and uh, she's got complimentary skills to me. What would we need to think about if Beck was going to come into my um, polka dot dress okay. arrangement? Okay, well, I guess the, the first thing you'd want to think about, uh, it sounds strange at the outset but the the primary thing would be what's going to happen if you want to exit mm. the partnership i've heard that as well yeah. yeah so while everything is often roses when you're getting into the partnership you you want to sometimes think a few steps ahead and say okay so what's going to happen in the event that we, we actually want to part ways so uh one thing you can do is is enter into a partnership agreement between the two of you and, and that'll be a, a formal document that would govern how you uh, get out of the polka dot business. So what's the normal way that people get out of the business, an exit, a normal exit strategy? Well, the obvious way is the other business partner to buy them out. Okay. So that's the most common scenario. But um, how do you determine, do you write that down, how you determine what the cost will be? Uh, yes, yeah, so you, you generally have a value mechanism that's written into the agreement. So that's one of the, the I guess, the, the key areas is trying to determine what that value is, um, often Sellers and purchasers have different views on that. That's so. right, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah. So, how yeah. do you work it out? This is fascinating for is me. It I feel that's really done grown up. Prior to getting successful, like, is that something that's yeah. done at the outset? Absolutely. Sort of like an yeah. equation type thing. Yeah. yeah so, um, prenup. It, well, that's right. It's like <laughs> it's a, a business prenup. Prenup. <laughs> hey, um, Baker, love do those too. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of like a, a, a business prenup, if you want to call it that. Um, as, as to how you do it, uh, there's, there's a number of different ways. There's the, you could have a formula or you could just state that a particular professional is going to determine it, like oh, okay. a, an accountant or valuer or, or you, you know, get the average of, of a number of different valuations. Um, the key is just to, I guess, turn your mind to it early on and, and, and get advice on, on what your different options are. It really does vary on what type of business you're in as well. Okay. Um, you know, some businesses are, are far easier to value than others. Um, but if you don't have an agreed mechanism for doing that, then it can become pretty tricky and, and, and costly. Yeah, and I suppose what happens if both want to stay in the business but they just don't want to stay together? Yeah. yeah I was mm-hmm. actually listening to another podcast recently where the uh, founders of uh, The Big Day Out had that exact scenario. Oh, I don't wow. know if you've heard of that one. Yeah, it's a. Can I plug? ABC yeah, podcast? yeah, that's fine. Actually, <laughs> yeah. my friend Jackie Kasolki, who's the head of Triple M Music, plugged it on her Facebook post. So right? yeah, oh, it is that's very fu- good. We we love all podcasts here, so <laughs> we we like to share the love. So yeah. tell us about what happened. Well, so what happened there was there were two founders of the Big Day Out, and uh, they were very successful, um, but there was a inevitably a breakdown in, in that business relationship and um, I'm not sure if they had a partnership agreement. I'm guessing they didn't. Um, no. And, uh, it was more like, I like bands, I like bands, I like music, I like music. Exactly. Let's put it on, on a concert. <laughs> yeah, so um, that that relationship, business relationship broke down and uh, one of the, the episodes of the podcast talks about 
how difficult that was for them because obviously that business had quite a bit of value. Hundred mm, percent. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, it's worth a listen. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how you determine who gets that. <laughs> so well, I actually don't know how they resolved it. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. The, the last episode of the the series it hasn't been released yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> we we'll just see. jump to the end, yeah. like I did with my uh, maths problems at school. <laughs> hey, um, just going back to that quickly. A friend of mine's uh, entered a new partnership. She's got another business, but with her partnership agreement, what they've done is just written down everything they could think of. One party does is responsible for these things, another party responsible for the other things, and then they've written down everything that they could feasibly think to go wrong. Is that sort of what you do in a partnership agreement or not necessarily? Um, yeah, I guess you often not as explicit as that in determining what can go wrong, um, but that's not a bad idea, I guess, but you're never going to think of everything. Um, yeah, so what, so what do you do then? You just have a mechanism for sorting out Disputes, great. Yeah, right. So um, what you don't want Because you're in a partnership, Dean. There's a few partners at your law firm. And I was talking to this my uh, with my partner the other night and I said, wow, you know, these lawyers seem to do okay. Like they're, they're always in partnerships, right? And they yeah. make it work. Yeah, well, like law firms. <laughs> you got really good documents. <laughs> <laughs> law firms are, are one of the, the few businesses these days that does tr- tr- like has always traditionally operated as a partnership and continues yeah. to. Um, they're now starting to incorporate more and more oh, okay. legal practices. Mm-hmm. There was changes in the laws uh, a few years back that allowed legal practices to do that. But mm-hmm. before that, they were all, mainly all partnerships. So yep. it's it's a bit of a layover from that. They've just continued on. That's the same with ours. We've always been a partnership and continue to be. Yeah. yeah. So how do you resolve things? Uh, well, we're lucky we don't have any issues today, so we <laughs> haven't had to resolve them. But um, a partnership agreement tries to preempt all these things that might happen okay. um, and what you want to try and avoid is having to go to a court to determine those disputes because yeah. that's obviously quite an expensive and uh, and uh, time consuming exercise so if you if you have a, a written document in place it means that you can go to that document first which will always or should have a dispute resolution clause in there mm-hmm. so if there is a, uh, a dispute between the parties you can go to the document and say okay what are we what are we going to do here and it doesn't mean you have to run off to court and get the court to determine, or even worse, to wind up the, the, the entity, which sometimes does happen. Wow. What about uh, if you seek to rent a premises and what you should be mindful of regarding commercial leases? I remember when I started with my yoga studio, I just started off as a sublease, and then when I had to sign a commercial lease, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be <laughs> and scary. I did a, yeah. Of course, it can because it feels really official. When yeah. you're just giving money to someone for a sublease, you yeah. feel like, ah, oh, we could end this tomorrow. It's sort of like getting married a little bit. You're like, oh, God. Sure. So uh, what should we be mindful of around commercial leases? So I guess the first thing is just to, if you are entering into a commercial lease or thinking of doing so, you should get advice of a lawyer before okay. you sign the document because a lease applies for a period of time. Yeah. It's not like if you buy a house, for example, that, that document tends to... Um, die on completion of the sale. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's not 100% the case, but there can be clauses that, that um, pass through. But uh, w- with a lease, obviously, th- what's in that document will apply for however long you're entering in that lease or even longer if you've uh, if you've been able to negotiate some options. So um, I'd say one of the, the, the key things with a, with a lease is trying to work out what's the correct term for you. If you're, if you're mm-hmm. a startup business, it can be hard. You'd, you maybe don't want to be locking yourself into a really long-term lease um, because you don't know how you're going to go. So, yeah, that's right. Um, so thinking about the term is really important. 
I always say that uh, if you if you enter into a term at the outset, you want to try and have some options in your favour. Um, so that that's the tenants' options. Oh, okay. It's a very common thing with commercial leases. Say you wanted to enter into a one or two year lease, you could have for my polka dot, dot dress. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. We found where did our, where where did we find our location, Beck? Uh, your house. At my house. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so cheap rent. <laughs> yeah, cheap rent. That's what we thought. <laughs> okay, in the basement. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, what sort of – if just say that uh, my partner would only offer us a long-term lease for the basement for our polka dot dresses, uh, what sort of – you know, what could we get back in exchange for that long-term lease? Uh, from your landlord? Yeah. Okay, well, if you're going to enter into a long-term lease, you want to make sure that the premises are going to be 100% correct for you and you might actually want to get them to spend some money for you. Mm. So if you're going to sign a 5 Does that ever happen? Lease, Absolutely. Really? It does. Yep, yep. So uh, finding good long-term tenants is is important for property owners. So uh, you'll often see them willing to spend some money on a premises for a prospective tenant um, along, along, as long as they do enter into the lease, of course. So we, we have to... Um, and can you, and on the flip side, can you, as someone leasing premises, make any request to make improvements on the place yourself? well absolutely okay. yeah so that's uh that's probably more common okay. Beck, is to have the tenant yeah. do the work um yes i did all the work at my <laughs> place in fact i've been trying to get them to rip up this dodgy old carpet in the hallway i even said just rip it up and have polished concrete because that's cool and they said no that's a hazard you oh, can't God. have that so <laughs> oh it's so hard sometimes to get landlords mm. to make little changes you know to make yeah. it better absolutely and i'd say on that it, the key thing is to get those things before you enter into the okay. lease. Because so it's like when you go for a job and then you're in the job and it's hard Absolutely. to get the pay rise then. <laughs> <laughs> but at the start, when they want you, it's easier to yep. set yep. the high, the the bar higher at the start. Is Absolutely. it like that? Absolutely. Okay. Like that's a good analogy. So you, you want to try and uh, get as many things in your favour at the outset because once the lease is in place, it's really hard to negotiate yep. any amendments or variations. It's oh, okay. impossible. apart from pleading and begging (laughs) what about um our clients now so when you think of legal issues um regarding them and your customers what can you think about one of the the hot issues in the legal industry at the moment is around customer data protection and privacy laws okay um so yeah because everyone that comes into um beck and mel's polka dot dress shop we get them to Give us their email address and phone number and everything like that. That's right. And tick so, every box that says we want to hear about all your new styles of dresses. <laughs> Absolutely. So that data that you're collecting uh, has a value in the marketplace. Uh, and, I mean, pretty much all businesses do that these days. They collect data on their, their customers or clients. So because it's so valuable, um, it's, we're now seeing more and more cyber attacks and, and hacking that oh, takes okay. place of, of businesses' systems in order to get to that data. Um, so because of that risk and, and becoming because it's becoming more and more prevalent, uh, governments in Australia and around the world are really bringing in more and more regulation and, and laws are in this area. So um, if you're starting out in business, you, you really do need to have a handle on those uh, regulations and obligations. Mm. Mm. What are they broadly? Well, it depends on your type of business and your turnover, a lot of different factors, but it's, it's essentially to do with notifying your customers of what you're going to do with it 
Oh, okay. So uh, and how you're going to protect it, ensuring that you do protect it oh, okay. because it's their information that you're that you're um, gathering and, and storing. So, okay. Um, there's a phrase in this area of law called a notifiable data breach. So if you if you are hacked and you're of a particular type of business with a turnover of what's stated in the legislation, then you have to go through these steps in order for in order to notify various entities and, and, and then your other customers that you've had a breach. So, um, yeah, it's pretty it, – it's a big thing and it's becoming more and more, more prevalent these days. Um, I noticed that um, this is basically on the side that a lot of businesses, pretty much everyone, has the little um, privacy bit down the bottom of policy, the yeah. um, email. What's yeah. Why do they do that? So, so that's to do with these regulations oh, requiring okay. you to have it. So everyone – should have a privacy policy if you're um, particularly if you've got a, an online presence um, you absolutely should have one Does yeah, the polka dot business data. have one yeah no. they'll definitely polka dot have business one. doesn't yeah. yet oh. <laughs> <laughs> they will though <laughs> and is there anything else we need to be mindful of uh, basically starting up our business i feel like Beck and Mel's polka dot dress business would be really set up if we went through all these hoops don't you beck yes i think yeah. if i had anything to do at all with the fashion industry, it might. Well, we Is better get started. Better get started. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to go first. and we got to go, go and uh, source some uh, someone to uh, do our dresses overseas. Maybe Becca, we can go on a little holiday Let's and put it. on the credit card. <laughs> That, I think they've got some good ones in Tahiti right <laughs> <Do> now. <that. laughs> um, sourcing product from offshore is another thing that you uh, need to ensure that you talk to a lawyer about because okay. uh, you want to make sure you've got strong terms of trade in place with any any suppliers or manufacturers. So um, that's another thing. You see that more and more these days, obviously, uh, um, Australian businesses uh, importing things from overseas, so um, you need to probably talk to a lawyer about that as well. Yeah, I know a guy who bought uh, a whole lot of furniture for his business from Bali, I think it was, and then uh, gave the money to the uh, freight people and it never got to Australia. So he said <laughs> that stories about that. he lost all of it. Wow. Is there anything you can put in place to ensure that that doesn't happen? Yes. Okay. Well, the, the thing you want to think about there is, is checking whether your offshore manufacturer actually has a local presence in Australia. Uh, Some of them do, um, you know, a a distributor or something like that. If you can deal with a distributor and someone that has a a company in Australia, then that's a lot easier because then you can potentially seek recourse against that Australian entity. Okay. Uh, Commencing legal proceedings against companies in other jurisdictions like Indonesia or wherever is extremely difficult. Um, Yeah. And and, uh, if you can avoid having to do that, then you should. Yeah, yeah. We are giving away a trademark application package uh, on the show. What are we getting in return for that, Dean? Everyone who um, wants to do their mama startup properly. Okay, so unlike how I did it, we will um, do the application for you. So okay. you basically get the benefit of a, a free advice session on on the application itself. Cool. And we'll also pay the application fee for one class. So awesome. Um, and we'll just manage the whole process really unreal thank you so much for your advice on our startup i feel like it's going to be really successful (laughs) i'm so excited about it (laughs) and beck and i haven't fought at all yet in our partnership but if we do we've got a document to sort it all out properly (laughs) thank you so much dean thanks let's scroll together nhm newcastle hunter mamas on facebook and instagram